0: you're listening to a podcast from the media motel coming up this week in episode 548 rock till we drop on bbc2 70 years of the new musical express and the women in the lives of the beatles that's all coming up after hue and cry
1: an ordinary angel
2: And from my top 10 of all time. Um there's there's everything to love about this, the sublime horn section, the everything and the kitchen sink production, Pat Kane's wonderful soulful voice. As a single number 42 in the UK in 1988, Hue and Cry an Ordinary Angel.
0: There's so much going on in that record and mm. yeah I, I want all of it <laughs> and more. Yeah, exactly. Frankly. It's great.
2: And he, of course, Pat Kane went on to become one of your left-leaning polemicists, writing in uh, journals and papers all over the place. But they are still together and uh, performing live this year. Oh, that's great. Hello, thanks for joining us for Parish Council episode 548. I'm Terence Stackham and a woman who celebrated International Women's Day last week (laughs) by getting COVID for the second time. Is Juliette Harris
0: absolutely a woman's work is never done? It turns <laughs> out, uh, yes. Uh, happy International Women's Day! I posted with a picture of my positive COVID test on uh, yes. on the on the socials. Um, apologies if, I, as I said in a work meeting a couple of days ago, apologies if I sound a bit like Bonnie Tyler this week, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm back and. Uh, Live, if not kicking, shall we say.
2: (laughs) Now on um, a sort of hiatus, the tedious television show X Factor used to have a category for older contestants who wanted a shot at fame whilst yes. a- agreeing to be humiliated by the X Factor <laughs> process. <laughs> yes. You're going through. No, you're not. Um, uh, th- this category for these uh, special elderly contenders was for over 25s. I mean, um, that's
0: so depressing in itself. Isn't,
2: isn't it just? If you were over 25, you needed to be put into seniors. a preferred category. Yes. Otherwise, the audience or perhaps the judges' obsession with youth would have cast the aspiring singer aside. In a way, I'm surprised Simon Cowell didn't land the idea for this new BBC show first. It's called Rock Till We Drop. Martin Kemp and Lady Lejeune are forms of mentors, I suppose, really, for, uh, wait for it, musicians brought together to form bands, but they must each be older than 64 years old. So, Jules, do do you regret your youthful age knowing you can't even
0: compete? on rock till we drop well this was an interesting one to watch mm-hmm. i'm not entirely convinced i might have made time for it Were we not reviewing it having said that yes. i'm glad we did because mm-hmm. it was it was interesting to watch um I have to say, my only regret is that I don't get to, to spend time with Martin Kemp. I know I'm not that persuasion, but he's such a darling man, isn't he? He's So <laughs> handsome and nice. And I quite like how ordinary he is. I enjoy mm. his, his son Roman appearing on Celebrity Gogglebox when they're on it. And oh, I remember his son having this huge kind of... Not exactly rant, but this kind of sort of exclamation that he once saying you're the most boring man ever. You've you you your favorite your favorite drink is is I don't know lager or something. Your favorite meal is fish and chips. You know you 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 never you've only ever been with mum. He he just is a very ordinary middle of the road guy. And I him and Lady Leisure, I enjoyed their sort of contrasting energies that they had. Mm-hmm. They both seemed to really care. I think about wanting. Wanting to give people a chance to the point where um, Martin Kent's sort of partner in crime for picking the, his band, often despaired of the fact that that Martin wanted to pick people who he wanted to give them a chance, and mm. which well, is why they ended up with a jazz drummer in a <laughs> in a soul band. I'm not convinced that's going to work next week. I must admit, but still, um, I thought I thought the idea for the program was a good one. Actually, I thought it was quite a, a fun concept. I mean, like all of these things, it is so overly formatted that yeah. I I could have told you what was going to happen in each scene before it happened. Having said that, I I enjoyed the personalities of the people trying to trying to pick the bands. Um, we we saw a lot of people, didn't we? We saw a lot of interesting people. Yeah. Some of the stories were it was not dissimilar to the X Factor in that there were some quite sad stories. Um, the woman that had wanted to be a singer and. Had had her career cut short by the unpleasant advances of a of a of a manager oh, yeah. and her mum hooking her out, Um which Lady Lesieur was, was very moved by and hinted at having similar experiences herself, mm-hmm. which was telling that they were so far apart in time yet so similar. Yeah. And I think we'll discuss it. Yeah, we'll come first, back later to that very on. topic. But yeah, uh, but, yeah I am. Um, even though it was quite formulaic i thought it i thought it bumbled along well enough i i you know it was a little bit sort of predictable as to what was going to happen it was all telegraphed far in advance having said that very entertained by the the bass playing lady called carol who very briefly i thought carol k's not in this is she and it she reminded
2: me this. so much of carol it
0: wasn't it strange wasn't it that she happened to be called carol and had that very very similar sort of vibe, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Um there were some charming characters. The male bass player that they went to see from Martin Kemp's band. I can't remember his name. Was it Le Man or something like that? He was he was a delight, I thought. There mm-hmm. was very there's some interesting characters who I look forward to seeing how they all do together next week. I probably will watch the next episode of this because I did find myself slightly investing in whether or not they were going to make this run. Um, the fact that it's it's quite funny in that they, they always, it was a bit like when we watched Get Back and they left the end of the first episode on a cliffhanger, suggesting mm. that George Harrison had left the Beatles. And it's like, But he hasn't, had he, because they did Get Back. So, so we sort of mm. knew that. And they said it was kind of all, you know, are they going to be able to get them on stage in time? Well, you've literally started the programme the footage of them walking on stage waving at the Isle of Wight festival so I think we can probably safely assume yes they will regardless of what happens so I felt that was a little bit daft that was a bit kind of you could have actually had some real jeopardy guys rather than you know this sort of silly <laughs> thing having said that I the thing that I did actually like about this and I'd be interested to see if you agree or not was mm-hmm. I although it was formulaic I didn't really feel I thought that the, that it said a lot about the people picking the bands, that I felt that they approached everybody in quite an open spirit and quite an enterprising spirit. And Mm -hmm. I didn't actually find the tone of the programme to be particularly mocking, which given its terrible Mm -hmm. title, which is Rock Till We Drop, it very much could have been. And I felt that it largely avoided that. And I liked it as a concept. I liked the idea that you're kind of picking people who you would feel that they might have missed their chance. I thought this was all right. I um, I've I've seen worse programmes of this ilk is what I would say about it.
2: I really wanted to like this, but with the exception of Martin Kemp, who I warmed to as same as you, That's I exactly sind- yes. I simply couldn't warm to the um the the show itself at all. I mean, from the apprentice-like opening stage for uh, Leisure to meet Martin Kemp on the. Deck of H M S Belfast. I mean, through to the in oh, the inevitable, of course, the emotional backstories of the contestants. The mm-hmm. stories generally have to be about somebody dying, and this show offering them sort of redemption. And mm-hmm. the presenters have to pre- press tissues to their eyes to um, mask their tears. Um, there were there was a there was a lot of cliches. Um, in this show, which, as I mentioned earlier, had a Simon Cowell vibe all over it. Uh, and uh, here's a, an odd aside that I noted um, mm. the auditions were held at the Spice of Life Club in London. You that got to seems see it. a them.
0: very incongruous venue. Well,
2: for it's a venue I know well, as a, a family member has played there recently. Mm, okay. And I lugged her keyboards and amps in and out as an unpaid uh, <laughs> a roadie. Of course. <laughs> of course, you did. And, it has really steep stairs down to the venue. The the, the playing arena, if you like, is yes, I saw der- that, Yeah, say. And we saw several elderly auditioners having to oh, grab yeah. the handrails mm-hmm. to really struggle to get up and down. Surely an accessible venue could have been found for the auditions uh, is, is one thing. Absolutely. Um, yes. Another thing, um, because uh, you mentioned, and I just made a little note here when you were talking, you were saying about... We kept seeing all these people who didn't get through the auditions. Mm. It's my oft mentioned criticism. It was too long—an yeah, hour.
0: I'm probably right. Actually, I, I agree with you on that for sure.
2: I think the producers were keen, as you say, not to patronise these older people, and it could have been much worse and even more mawkish. But I agree with you. Martin Kemp, in particular, seemed to have a genuine desire to help people succeed
0: he he wants to do it doesn't he He, he, yes it's important to him it seemed like you know and the fact that he was just so I, I I tell you what I bet you'd have an expensive day at the racetrack with Martin Kemp wouldn't you because he would put money on every no hoper there was because he, you know he, he because you know his wife wore the same colour kind of wedding dress as the jockey's top or something I I admire Martin Kemp for that but it does I could sense the frustration of 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 his <laughs> of his uh, of his colleague trying desperately Toby trying desperately to pick to pick something that might work rather than a jazz drummer for a, 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 a pop yeah, soul
2: band. Overall, I, I did find it a bit odd, a bit disjointed, okay. rather pointless. To really succeed in these sort of journey shows, uh, the the viewers have to care who gets through, who wins, who stars. In this case, on the stage at the Isle of Wight Festival, and to be blunt, I wasn't that bothered.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I I I I felt a little bit more positively about mm. this new, but equally, it it was a bit. Be interested to see if the second episode is any better in terms of whether hmm. the sort of story gets going, if you see what I mean. I um, But but again, there was so much sort of next time on whatever, blah, 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 that you do think, well, why are you you're still showing me lots of stuff? It seems very overly explained, I guess, would be would be my description of it with you.
2: Yeah. Rock Shall We Drop is currently on BBC Two on Tuesdays and is also available on the BBC Army Player. Coming right up 70 years of the New Musical Express but is it a happy birthday that's next after Rihanna
3: Shame right like a diamond Shame right like a diamond
0: Found that song very cheering this week as I recover from what I don't even want to call my ordeal really <laughs> because it hasn't been that bad. But um, I I think I was just, I said to Terence before we came on air Rihanna is one of those people who I find to be world famous yet still underrated mm. in uh, in how she how she is perceived because I think she's made some stunning pop music. She's made some good choices as to who she who she sort of writes with and who she has writing for her. That song doesn't really go anywhere, but I enjoy where it's sort of continuing not to go, if you see what I mean. I think it's got a tremendous sort of swing to it. And I think Rihanna is very talented at that sort of thing, and I really love it. That is Diamonds. I believe um, Sia um, uh, wrote that with with um, uh, with Benny Blanco and Stargate. So I don't think you're going to go far wrong, Terrence, if you've got Sia writing and Rihanna singing somehow amazing run of success
2: she had i was just checking earlier 14 number one singles on the billboard hot 100 uh, and uh 31 top 10 hits overall
0: incredible Amazing. and and mo- quite a few of which you could probably sing as well mm. i think she really is ubiquitous quite often you hear you hear of singers and sometimes female singers i think you've had tons of hits that you're sort of vaguely aware of but you couldn't really sing but i think she's very similar to beyonce and that they've had loads of singles that everyone knows that mm. that are just that are just enormous songs um the new musical
2: express the nme um it played quite a significant role in my early life my father was a mm. subscriber and i learned to read by um working my through way through his copy each week before i even reached school age i loved reading it and then it became a vital part of the week at the point of the beatles revolution um when we, we could pour over the news of the latest exploits maybe of the, the the beatles in america learn of the new single releases from bands like the kinks and the small faces at that time mid 60s the enemy was the more exciting version of its Mm. stodgier and more establishment rival the melody maker in the great battle to be the nation's favorite pop music weekly newspaper and of course this was in an era when television and radio were still sidelining pop music, really, and it seemed only content when the music could be watered down into light entertainment and the Beatles had to appear with Morecambe and Wise or Ken Dodd to get on TV. So the NME for perhaps a few years there was a key element in bringing the news and interviews of pop stars to the younger generation. And George as part of their understandable celebration on reaching 70 mm-hmm. the nme in its now online presence has produced a page seven nme covers that shook the world which rather made me feel despite their presence and influence at times that they might be rather overcooking uh, the newspaper's impact i'm not sure they shook the world jaws
0: <laughs> i mean so the first thing that i thought of on this was um was that that lovely phrase that the enemy? NME... Used to, uh, used to sort of celebrate, there was a scene um, that popped up in the early 90s that became known as the scene that celebrates itself. And I somehow feel that this might be appropriate here. It's, it's, it's funny because I think the NME genuinely was influential for a time, but the music press is not influential anymore, and I'm not sure if it's left a lasting legacy. And I think the problem with the NME was that it, it doesn't seem to have Left any sort mm. of impact. Yeah. It, it, it its impact as its impact seemed to be instant. It seemed to be almost throwaway, like certain type of pop music is. In that, in that it was constantly current. And the problem with being constantly current is that if you're not operating. On the same level anymore. If you're not operating in the same way, I mean, it it the the way that it's kind of fallen downhill is ended up being given away free in Shop and at railway stations, isn't it? It's is you don't pay for it anymore. It's it's almost like those free London papers or the Evening Standard or something like that. You just thrown around the tube rather than people going out and buying it. And it's a shame because, like you, I was very influenced with it in my early life. I used to very much enjoy buying it and the free tapes and the free CDs and finding finding new bands and things like that and i the weird thing is i still do that but i now do that with mojo and uncut and um, mm. because the enemy seems to have vacated that space and young i think we spoke, spoke about this in the podcast before that young people consume media in different ways i don't know it, it just i mean it was great but the problem is is that the people that keep telling us that it's great are people that wrote for it are people that took photographs for it people that were in it and it has turned a little bit for me into the scene that celebrates itself rather than rather than something that you would say had enormous enormous sort of impact at the time I have I, I no historians sort of social historians and music historians that still do share regularly on Facebook groups I'm in from their archives and they're really interesting but it's the sort of publication for me that it doesn't suit being an archive publication because it was always so good because it was so current in what it found mm-hmm. and the new bands that it found and the and the stories it told you about. For me, the rot sort of set in. And this sounds like it's a personal criticism of the band. I really don't mean it to be at all because I very much liked the first couple of albums. But mm. it became this almost sort of tabloid that seemed to be entirely centred around the fortunes of the Libertines in the in the <laughs> early 2000s. Like every week, I remember working in Marks and Spence at the time as sort of a late teens, early 20s person. I remember talking to a lovely colleague who was an indie kid as well. And I remember me saying to him, oh, there's a book out about the Libertines, uh, their story told for the first time. And he said, but it isn't though, is it? It's in the NME every sodding week. Mm -hmm. And I think it got to the point where I think they've broken the Strokes over here and they did have a big part in that. And I think they, they became that... The, the, the Strokes rather sort of uptick their slightly flagging fortunes post-Britpop. And I think that they then latched on to the idea of who's the next big thing. And it became this kind of constant... It stopped being about movements and it started being about the band and then itself. So it would constantly go on about the enemy Awards. It would constantly go on about the NME Coolest. And... I think once you're having to talk about yourself all the time rather than other people, it's a bit like political spin doctors. The enemy became the story and that Mm -hmm. never that never ends well. So so I can't believe I'm saying this because I used to live for the enemy of Melody Mm -hmm. Maker every week as a teenager, but. You know, maybe this is. You know, maybe everything. Maybe we all become old, and what, what, what? As they say in the Simpsons, what once was new and exciting then becomes uh, sort of scary and threatening towards you. Um, but I, I, I wonder if it's left that much. Some of the writing is excellent, but the problem for me is, is that. It it there's a cut-off point. And if you're a magazine about things that are current and new, it's in the name, New Musical Express. If you're about things that are current and new and you stop being about that or stop being able to predict that, you're just running after the bus rather than driving it, I'm not sure what your legacy is.
2: Perhaps our, our sort of feeling about the most influential era, of course, probably reflects our own age. But I think mm-hmm. the last time the enemy felt important to readers um of my age was in the year or two of punk and then the following couple of years of new wave but but now of course that's nearly 50 years ago um which is you know it it had only been in, in a uh, place uh, twenty years then, um, it, of course. In four years, it'll be half a century since mm. the Sex Pistols appeared with Bill Grundy on ITV, which is extraordinary.
0: Me. I mean, that is the, the fact that we, you know, that there, When you're talking about time periods, yeah, you know, yes. there was, yeah, the, the 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 time periods between, you know, we're closer to this than we are to that. It's just mm. ever more crazy, isn't it? Really, They're, my my some of my favourite albums will be turning thirty years old in the next two mm. to three years.
2: Initially, the, the British music press were rather sniffy about punk in the NME. Hmm. Charles Shah Murray, who, to be fair, would soon change his tune, wrote about an early Clash gig. And I quote, the Clash of the kind of garage band who should be returned to the garage immediately, preferably with the engine running, which would undoubtedly uh, undoubtedly be more of a loss to their friends and families than to either rock or roll. Which I, mean, I think, apart from being a truly horrible thing to yeah, write. unpleasant really horrible thing got the mood and direction of travel of punk completely wrong but yeah anyway after jumping aboard again for a couple of years the enemy led the way in terms of news interviews and i think particularly i uh, i feel uh, the record reviews and really crucially the gig guide because a lot of bands were still playing in small pubs and clubs and the enemy gig guide was, was invaluable in finding out where the buzzcocks or perhaps later on the soft boys or so on and so on were playing um but then as you mentioned the massive decline ever since from over three hundred thousand printed copies sold yes. weekly to now zero it's uh, four years now since they stopped printing it at all and it's transformation to website only um so Happy birthday, New Musical Express. Nowhere near, I think, as influential or vital as you once were. But I'm, I'm glad you were there. Yeah. For me, in the sixties and the seventies.
0: Very true, and I, and I was glad of it in the nineties for sure, maybe maybe you know to use the old cliche of pictures worth a thousand words maybe it's photography will stand the test of time more than anything else mm-hmm. some of the incredible photographs of you know Kirk Cobain and and you know some you know some of the punk shots were incredible as well Penny Smith some of her stuff maybe that's Penny maybe Smith,
2: that yeah. Dose, um, uh, Anton Corbyn yeah, the, yeah many, Mick many, Mercer, maybe, maybe those,
0: stuff. maybe those people were, maybe the photos will be the things because m- most of the images that you see used of people quite often were shot for the enemy. So, so maybe mm-hmm. that's how it will live on.
2: Coming next, the Beatles, women, and is it easier for women in the music business in the twenty twenties? That's right after The Dolly Rocks.
4: You used to be-
2: It's the Spot for Me, formed at oh. school in Florida when they were in the eighth grade. This is from a new old album, if you see what I mean, in that it's a new album of rarities and B-sides and so on. From the album Down the Rabbit Hole, The Dolly Rots, and Too Fun for My Health.
0: And I have to say, that was a new one on me, but I loved that. I would definitely be investigating them more. More of this sort of thing, please, Terrence. I'm hey,
2: very- it's the, it, that was the, the newest song on the album, it was written just before covid I suppose, yeah, I suppose we'll have to start saying bc in a new context now won't we before nah, COVID. It's, it's,
0: absolutely although um, <laughs> from personal experience and yes I mean, you as well i'm not convinced we're ac at the moment no, no we're no, certainly not no.
2: um, and The and dolly ross they're on tour at the moment in the united states International Women's Day this um, this uh, last week, and mm. of course that brought out the usual Wens International Men's Day brigade on social media, uh, to which the- I was thinking pipe down, blokes, even just for one day, maybe.
0: Yes, indeed. Although I think the answer is November the nineteenth, is Richard it, tells it, people regularly. But uh, and, but yes, uh, I yeah. I don't disagree.
2: One of the more fascinating pieces to be written about and around International Women's Day from a music media point of view was by Annie Zaleski in You're the Guardian, in which mm. she argues that women have had an increasing role to chart the story of the Beatles in terms of study, podcasting, journalism, authorship in in, in the modern era. And it's certainly true that women um, in many ways previously have been placed as secondary in the Beatles story. Mm. Uh, the way that the impact the Beatles have on the lives of men and women is always always based on how men experience and feel about the band. Um, and also and we, we can't hold the Beatles to account for this as it was how life was in the 60s. Right. Yeah. Their wives and girlfriends played an extremely low key part in their lives. Um, all of the Beatles were endlessly unfaithful and in John Lennon's case, with Cynthia Yoko and uh, May Pang either physically assaulting or deeply cruel to the women that shared his life. And I was thinking it's arguable that only Astrid Kircher in Hamburg had some sort of equal status with the Beatles. And that was only for a very brief, brief time. Um, Jules, there does seem to be a growing trend for women to be signed up to write books and podcasts and document the life of the Beatles. But of course, it's impossible to go back and widen the the role women had with the band and in music generally in the 1960s.
0: Yes, very true. Although very much looking forward to reading some of these books. I was familiar with one or two of them beforehand, but what an incredible title to this book um this uh, this lady um Janice Mitchell um who is trying to uh, who's written the story called um of her life um escaping from a difficult childhood um in Cleveland Ohio she grew up with neglectful parents they eventually abandoned her and her younger siblings um And she was very much fell in love with the Beatles music. And she said, I realized I wanted to go to where the Beatles were from because I figured that's where happiness would lie. That was my goal to go there and breathe Beatles air. Walk on sacred Beatles soil and have a happy <laughs> life. And her book is called, and it sounds amazing. My ticket to ride. How I ran away to England to meet the Beatles and got rock and roll Banned in Cleveland. I mean, what a title wow,
2: that's a for title. a book,
0: yeah. isn't it? Um, she and another resourceful friend left the U.S. and spent three weeks in England in autumn 1964. They they enjoyed London nightlife and they even managed to visit Liverpool. Uh, they didn't sadly meet any of the Beatles, but I think there's a film in that, Terence. I <laughs> love the idea of (laughs) these of these sort of enterprising women and i love the fact that there's a way that you can tell a story about how liberated women felt by by the music of the beatles particularly not just the swinging 60s but how inspiring women find the music of the beatles as well as men speaking as a woman that loves beatles music i Mm. I think it's lovely that we're getting these stories now that aren't just about women screaming and throwing their knickers and are about how the music makes them feel as well as well as just the fact they were, you know the sort of a teen band of their era so to speak although obviously they were much more than that um it sounds brilliant um and, and it's for one of the very few books written by w- a woman about the beatles in 60 years it tends to have become it's, it, it says in this article it tends to focus disproportionately on how men experience and appreciate the beatles and i love the idea of there being more women writing books about the Beatles and their music. Um, This is a book that I'm familiar with. It's now been released in paperback, which makes it, I have to say, slightly more affordable because it is an academic work. But Dr. Christine Feldman Barrett, who's a senior lecturer in sociology at Griffith University, um, wrote A Women's History of the Beatles, which came out last year and has recently been released in in paperback. And she said, female scholars who are also fans of the Beatles still run the risk of being perceived as more of a fan than an authoritative voice. And I think that's a really good point yes she said the legacy of the hysterical female beatles fan is such that it has i believe made a good amount of women reluctant about the beatles to write more about the beatles until more recently i think that's absolutely right it's um very um it's got some very interesting topics that aren't covered so much in it like how the beatles influenced female musicians i really like the sound of this and i really love the idea that um, that there's been more of a sort of a, a, a move towards this. There's an excellent uh, author who I've followed on Twitter and likewise for some years called Stephanie Phillips who, she's in a band Big Joni, who I think we've played music, oh, yes, the, the yes. show before. I'm a big fan of them. and seen them live. Um, and I hadn't quite realised that it was the same Stephanie Phillips until I went to see them <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in December 2018 and we were both like, oh, hello. <laughs> but um, but they, they are great and she makes a really good point that She's, I think, of a similar age to me, and she said when she was growing, um, growing up, she said as a young person, I wanted to develop my own sense of self. It felt almost overwhelming, but she discovered them via noisy covers by the Pixies and throwing music. And she says they gave the Beatles this alternative sheen and almost made them sound like an obscure underground cult band. I love that. I love the idea that that different generations experienced the beatles in different ways and how there was a sort of a time and you might be able to tell me more about this terence because i wasn't there at the time but it Mm. feels to me through reading sort of reading into this that the beatles stopped being cool and were extremely uncool in sort of the late 70s and through the 80s really Mm. it's kind of rejection of them and then that was flipped on its head in the late 80s early 90s by American grunge bands getting into them, and then Britpop coming back. So, so it's it's interesting how it goes through goes through phases. But I think it's a I think the idea that that more women because you know because i love some of the you know i love revolution in the head i love the nothing is real podcast i love a lot of male produced beatles content but i equally love the fact that we're now getting women feeling more confident to tell stories rather than just being sort of um not just to tell their stories but also crucially to be able just to analyze the beatles that other people do i mean i love the idea of that incredibly long-winded book title i really will be reading that it sounds wonderful but equally i also love the idea that just because you're a woman doesn't mean you don't have serious things to say about the beatles as well as perfectly validly talking about you know experiences as a fan i like the idea that 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 you know we can now just go ahead and and i'd like that wall to be torn down i think this kind of and i think that that male academia wall isn't by no means unique to writing about the beatles but i i hope this is an area which women can reclaim
2: Of course, I should give a big shout out to Paul, who, by bringing Linda into wings, um, you know, really did uh, turn that around somewhat and even um, predict that punk five years later where uh women would join bands mm-hmm. like, um, you know in the gay gay advert and so on yeah. but however that did mean that women were on stage in a, in an equal setting and there um, were bands
0: like the slits of course of who course were all yes. women, mm-hmm. and and uh, Polly but stone and x-ray specs and and lots of the post-punk bands as well particularly the bands from leeds like delta five they were very female mm-hmm.
2: And we won't, we only need to look at the Get Back series that we all watched recently to know yes, that yes. women women were um, in in that um, series were like the apple scruffs on the pavement in Savile Row, uh, women on the reception desk making tea or mm. cheering their husbands on during the the, the rooftop gig. Um, Yoko had some sort of role, but it was a contained equality, um, really. Mm. So here we are in 2022, and Somewhere between The Beatles and now, I spent a long time working in the entertainment industry um, when I was involved directly with bands and musicians in terms of production and management. In the the 70s and 80s, I probably knew a hundred men doing similar roles to me. And I can remember one woman, Caroline Kuhn, who briefly managed Mm. The Clash. uh, and against those hundred men is it is it better for women in the music business now Jules
0: I mean, I think it's marginally better, but I still think that it is i think it's like trying to turn an oil tank around i must admit mm. um if you look on the surface of it lots of the um lots of the big acts of the day are female, you know, Dua Lipa, Adele, Little Sims, you know, they're seen as these sort of, they're the ones that seem to be flogging all the um Rihanna that we spoke about earlier on, Katy Perry, Britney Spears. There have been loads of, of big selling female artists. But um, this article in The Guardian by Kate Lloyd some rather depressing sort of reports back. Um, we've got Nadia Khan, who's an artist manager and founder of Women in CTRL, which is an organisation pushing for uh, equality of women and non-binary people in the music business. She said, I've been made to feel invisible. I've been mistaken for a groupie. Just, just last week, I was assumed to be the makeup artist on a shoot. Uh, this is the woman who last February was voted the first female chair of the Association of Independent Music, by the way. So this is a, a serious oh. figure. And, um, she said that um, uh, she campaigned to get this role after discovering that just one of 11 organisations which represent different parts of the music industry. So these are like sort of trade bodies, really, trade, in, trade unions, 11 organisations. Um, one had a woman in the, as the sort of chief, chief exec and um, they asked her what the reaction was to her getting elected she said I had guys trying to get some of my votes overturned claiming the election was unfair Mm -hmm. Um, you've got situations where women still get pigeonholed or get compared to artists in completely different genres because they look alike Um, it's never a good sign if people are coming to you anonymously for an article I think and there's an an anonymous PR saying poor industry culture can make you feel like you can't say no to things especially in the formative years of your career people use their cachet to manipulate your actions at times I've that I brought up the nasal person in the industry has made me feel uncomfortable before and have been told by colleagues and peers that I'm imagining it or should be feel lucky to get the male attention it would seem that me too might have had some sort of impact in the tv and film industry perhaps not so much in the music industry it would seem at the moment uh i'm not quite sure um you know there have been all sorts of famous you know big names like rebecca ferguson and lily allen who you'd think would be in positions of power um complaining sorry not complaining uh, reporting rather um uh, terrible abuse that they've experienced in the industry um it seems like that it's it, you know we're not in a world where there are no successfully female artists. There are loads of successful female artists, but they seem to come very much at a price. You wonder how much freedom they have. The terrible story of Britney Spears that we that we mm. talked about on the podcast previously. Um, it seems it's it's not good, and I I don't know what the answer. The, but I suppose ultimately the answer is exactly what what um what Nadia Khan is doing, which is to get yourself to to get women at the top of top of these industries and maybe then things will change the fact that only one of these 11 trade bodies is led by a woman is perhaps perhaps either either the problem or a symptom i don't know but but i i, I would really hope that that might be the first of a number of those sort of changes that are needed really because it is still an industry that is run by men
2: i found this piece by Kate Lloyd, I think it was in The Telegraph um, this week.
0: Oh, be- my apologies. I assume everything to my guardian. My apologies.
2: <laughs> I've it terribly disheartening. Uh, I'm very aware, I saw it firsthand in the 70s and 80s, how abysmally women were treated, very often exploited. And to learn that little seems to have changed is is, is grim. Um, mm-hmm. All power to organisations yes. like Women in Control and, and the others pushing for equality for women in the music business for sure
0: yeah absolutely
2: thank you very much for listening this week good to have you along
0: yes thank you for having me back i appreciate it
2: and what's this it's the last in your current run of your radio show Juliet yes it's
0: the last in the series for smooth sailing on mixler um it's been a pleasure to do this we will be back we will give more news on that uh next time but uh i'm having a little bit of time off so um so uh, come come one, come all, uh, Sunday evening at 7 to 9 on my Mixer channel, mixlr.com forward slash Juliet-Harris, um, where with the last words for a little bit in this format of uh, Yacht Rock, MOR, everyone knows this by now, <laughs> surely classic pop, um, easy listening, and just an uplifting way to finish the week and, and relax into the new week.
2: Playing us out the extraordinary voice of Mavis Staples.
0: I heard this recently and I just thought from start to finish it was an incredible album. The wonderful voice of Mavis Staples that I think has become better the older she's got actually. Mm. Unlike a lot of singers there's so much life in her voice now that she's lived and I think it is, it's is—it's just incredible. I, I absolutely adore it. I think it is a, a wonderful, wonderful album. This is Hope at the Hideout uh, Mavis Staples Live and my pick from this a song that i adore anyway but i think this version is amazing in how it builds wade in the water
1: Dressed in red, he's gonna trouble the water. It looks like the children that Moses led. He's gonna trouble the water. If you don't believe, I've been redeemed. water my god's gonna trouble water he's gonna trouble hey, hey he's gonna trouble the water but it didn't harm my soul. (laughs) Wade in the water, y'all. Yes, indeed. Everybody feel all right?
0: You've been listening to a Parish Council production.
2: From the new Musical Express pole winners concert at the Empire Pool Wembley, it's Big
4: Beach 64.